Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We know that schools can safely reopen if community transmission is low. The bold plan to get kids back to class and why the teachers' union says it doesn't pass the test. New protocols for air travel, too. We'll have temperature screening on departure for all passengers. Why Transport Canada is stepping in to take over. And more tense, more trouble. The people I've spoken to feel very much abandoned uh, by their elected officials. The new encampment that's provoking a Strathcona tax revolt. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. The BC government has released its much-anticipated plan to get children back to school safely in September. And among the new measures, one surprise. Provincial Health Officer Dr. Bonnie Henry unveiled a new concept, organizing students and staff into so-called learning groups. Richard Zussman is live in Victoria with the details on how this is going to work. Richard. It's something, Chris, that Dr. Bonnie Henry has been worried about for months. The fact that students were not able to come to schools like this, many of them since the beginning of March. And that's all about to change. It's school done differently. This is why we're making uh, today's announcement that there are some who are feeling anxious about what uh, school might look like. Kids from kindergarten to grade 12 will be back in the class full-time come September. New cleaning protocols will be in place, and although masks will not be mandatory, they will be available to staff if they want to wear one. The schools are essential to our, not only our economy, but to our society and our community. And this is our safest way that we can move forward. But the biggest change will be the cohort system. This is who students will interact with in class, on the playground, at the library, and at lunch. Every student will be placed in a learning group with up to 60 kids in elementary and middle school and 120 kids in high school. The argument is this limits the spread of the virus and will allow for faster and less disruptive contact tracing. And we also maximize our ability to efficiently find people and make sure that the transmission chains are stopped. The BC Teachers Federation not fully supportive of the plan. In June, desks were spread apart. That will be gone in September, leading to a push for less kids in a classroom. When you have 30 students in a classroom, you know, they aren't able to physically distance. It's just not a possibility. And so that means that we need to reduce class sizes. The concept of a meter or two meters is something that young children are not that good at figuring out. But they do understand the concept of, you know, keeping my germs to myself, not touching my friends. If students are outside their group, they must maintain physical distancing, including some electives for high school kids. That means inter-school sports, concerts, assemblies, and so many other parts of school as we know it are now out. We kind of have to shake out of our heads how we're used to seeing schools organized, because if we keep trying to stick a square peg into a round hole, it's not going to fit. Uh, Almost everybody who spoke today, Richard, said that we need to be flexible, we need to be patient, so... Could the plan change before September or maybe even during the school year? 
Absolutely, Chris, it could. There is a working group that will be assembled. They will be addressing many of the concerns raised by organizations like the BCTF and others that are worried about the safety of students and teachers for September. There also is still that virus in the community. So if COVID-19 cases spike before September, things could change. And if cases go up once school starts, Chris, we could go back to a situation where we have virtual learning again if in-class uh, learning is no longer possible. Hoping for the best and planning for the worst as well. Thanks very much, yep. Richard. Well, good news, bad news on the COVID-19 front in BC in terms of numbers. So let's start with the not so good news. We have 41 new cases. However, more than half are connected to either the outbreak at the Blueberry Processing Plant or Haida Gwaii. Our total case number is now 3,562. The good news, no new deaths. That number stays at 194. There are just six people in hospital, a number not seen since close to the beginning of the pandemic. Two of those patients are in ICU. 3,109 people are now considered fully recovered, and we are left with 257 active cases. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with more on today's numbers. Let's talk about those active cases. Keith, where are they? Yeah, always very illustrative to look at where the virus is more uh, rampant and more active. And as usual, we're back to sort of a normal situation. So the Fraser Health Authority right now has the most active cases, as has been the case since the beginning of the pandemic, at 123 cases there. But interior numbers have dropped significantly since the Kelowna outbreak down to 54. They were up at 86. Vancouver Coastal, not a lot of COVID in Vancouver Coastal. That number continues to go down. Northern Health, that's reflected of the Haida Gwaii outbreak. That's where those cases are classified and VHI over here in Vancouver Island, just six cases. Now tomorrow, these numbers of course will change and where the big change is going to occur, Sophie, and we're going to get this at three o'clock tomorrow. We are uh, talking to Adrian Dix today, the health minister, expecting that blueberry farm in Abbotsford, the, the, the processing plant there, uh, most likely to really have more numbers there. They're up to 31 now. There were 15 yesterday. Keep in mind other food processing plants hit 40 to 60 cases before the outbreak was declared over. There is fear that's what we could see in Abbotsford. And of course, everybody's watching Haida Gwaii to see what happens there. There was another increase of six cases there, as you mentioned. So those are the two hot spots we're going to be looking at most closely tomorrow. All right. We'll uh, be listening for Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix tomorrow at three. Thanks, Keith. Two more flights arriving at YVR were added to the COVID exposure list today. And the Vancouver International Airport wants you to know that if you plan to travel during the pandemic, New health and safety protocols kick in tomorrow. Grace Key has the details. Since the pandemic started, it was up to individual airlines to temperature screen passengers. But starting on Thursday, that job will shift to CATSA, the Canadian Air Transportation Security Authority, moving to a more centralized system. The airlines will not do it anymore. No, it'll just be one temperature screen that is done by CATSA at the same place for everybody with the same technology. Transport Canada is requiring CATSA to conduct temperature screening at all security checkpoints at YVR, Calgary International, Toronto Pearson and Montreal Trudeau International. It applies to employees and domestic and international flights at the pre-board screening area. There's a three-second temperature scan which will happen. They'll stand on a spot and a temperature will be taken. If they don't pass it the first time, they get to stand to the side. They'll wait 10 minutes and have their temperature re-screened and that's using a handheld device. If they pass that, great, they keep going. 
If not, then they reunite with the airline and the airline will rebook them for 14 days later. YVR is also in the process of enhancing some of its health and safety programs, including devices that can detect the cleanliness of surfaces. The announcement of safety enhancement comes after the BC CDC announced several COVID-19 affected flights through YVR, making some passengers a little anxious. A little nervous. I was looking at the CDC website last night to see how many flights or whatever had COVID positive cases on them and I was like, oh, that's a little worrisome. What we know from Minister Garneau is that there have been zero transmissions in flight of COVID since this started. So right now, the websites are telling people that there was somebody on an aircraft yes. that had it, yes. but then there's no more information. Yes. So what we'd like to do is sh finish that information. Did this transmit? The hope is that additional information will provide more consumer confidence when it comes to the safety of flying. Grace Key, Global News. A coalition of business, Indigenous and community leaders is calling on the B.C. government to slash the provincial sales tax for the next two years. It's part of a roadmap to recovery unveiled on the same day another group has issued a dire warning about the survival of B.C. businesses. John Hua reports. Less than a year in business and Capital City Arcade had already reached the next level. It was basically from our best month we've ever had um, to absolutely nothing. But like many other independent businesses, the COVID-19 pandemic pulled the plug on this new Westminster arcade. And a reset hasn't been easy. People are weary about going out to places like this. We're not going to make our monthly lease payments. All we can do is try our best to lower the amount that's gonna hurt us. <laughs> According to the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, 158,000 small businesses across Canada are at risk of closing. More than 21,000 in BC. With the recreation and hospitality sectors the most worried, it's game over. We're just not simply seeing the numbers that we normally would for these types of industries, which is why it's so challenging for them. One area where many small businesses are still suffering. Rent. The federal government's uh, rent program isn't hitting enough businesses. They're not getting that support they need. The Business Council of BC unveiling its economic recovery strategy, suggesting cutting the PST in half for two years, fast-tracking infrastructure projects, and rapid reskilling for digital-related jobs. The measures we need to wrestle the pandemic to the ground have also bought, brought the economy to its knees. And the reality is that we're going to confront headwinds going forward. At Capital City Arcade, limits of 20 people, online sign up for two-hour blocks of unlimited play. And full cleanings between every session are hopefully enough to satisfy retro gamers. Good luck and hope we can stay open and keep, keep it going. Without more help from the government, many small businesses worry they don't have many continues left. John Hua, Global News. A COVID-19 outbreak at St. Paul's neonatal intensive care unit is now officially declared over. Two weeks ago, a newborn infant tested positive for COVID-19 at the hospital's NICU. Thankfully, the newborn never developed serious illness. Providence Healthcare says a number of protocols like infection control were launched immediately and affected family members were isolated. The new protocols requiring parents visiting their babies in the NICU to wear a mask and sign a visitor log are still going to stay in place. 
We have some breaking news for you now involving a grizzly find in a Burnaby tow yard. RCMP say human remains were found in a burned out SUV in Monday's towing on Thorn Avenue. The integrated homicide investigation team has been called to assist Burnaby RCMP in the investigation. At this point, police don't believe this to be a random act or that there's any danger to the public. IHIT is expected to provide more information on the case tomorrow. But if you know of any information or have tips regarding this investigation, you're asked to contact IHIT immediately. A shocking incident in Gastown is raising questions tonight about COVID-19 related assault protocols. A woman alleges that a man spat on her while she was in the area with her mother. And she's now concerned for her safety after that suspect was released without a COVID-19 test. Catherine Urquhart reports. It was Tuesday afternoon and a typically busy day in Vancouver's Gastown neighborhood. And despite numerous onlookers, a woman says she was assaulted, spit on for no reason. A man ran up to me and in, right into my face and um, called me a bitch and just tried to spit and the spit landed on my, on my back and arm. Larky, a registered clinical counselor, was with her mother who snapped this photo of the suspect and called 911. Vancouver police told Global News the suspect male was arrested a few blocks away for assault. The male was released on an undertaking to attend court at a later date. The male suspect was not tested for COVID-19. I'm, I'm angry that I have to worry about whether or not um, he was sick, whether or not he had COVID and he's trying to spread it on purpose. Um, my mom is immunocompromised. I'm worried for her health. Larky says police told her the suspect has spit on others and due to her safety concerns, they're going to ask the suspect if he'll agree to a COVID test. There have been similar cases recently. In April, two men were charged after spitting at members of the Vancouver Police Department. To knowingly try to infect somebody, either having it or not having it, is still an assault on somebody and we're not going to be putting up with that. Larky believes the alleged assault against her reflects a bigger problem with Gastown now less safe due to the pandemic and displacement of Tent City at Oppenheimer Park. The area feels neglected. I wish that there was, um, you know, it was cleaned up a little bit more, just even with debris and just police officers um, being around. The 39-year-old who works in the area has cancelled all her in-person counseling sessions and hopes to get tested for COVID-19 in the coming days. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. Strathcona residents are threatening to withhold their property taxes until the city takes action on another growing tent city. Homeowners say growing crime has made them feel unsafe in their own community, and they are tired of what they call a lack of leadership by elected officials. Jordan Armstrong has the latest. Talk about a situation with no winners, certainly not among the homeless. It's not okay to displace homeless people. And neighbours of Strathcona Park say they're losing too. People aren't feeling safe in their own neighbourhood and, and that's something to me um, that's just unacceptable. Fed up with the status quo, she says a few dozen homeowners are now considering withholding their property taxes as a way to force governments to get serious about a long-term solution. We want to be able to live here and not worry, you know, when we go to bed at night that someone's going to try to break in or, you know, that something bad's going to happen. We're um, 
grasping that last straws at this point and I'm trying to think of different strategies for compelling the city and other levels of government, all levels of government, to do right by the neighborhood. Generating a tax resistance movement is something Councillor Pete Fry, a Strathcona resident himself, understands. I think it's an important position for the neighborhood to take and say, look, we need the city to step up and do something. We need the province to step up and do something. We need the federal government to step up and do something. This pilot project is aimed at people living on the streets. Fry says a possible solution could be borrowed from San Francisco. That city has set up navigation centers, low barrier villages that allow partners and pets, and feature on-site support services like health care, employment, and long-term housing. We do have the, the future St. Paul's Hospital site just down here on the False Creek Flats, which could be a very appropriate site to relocate with the navigation center. Whatever the fix is, the view from Strathcona is it can't come soon enough. We're understanding that there are a lot of people really struggling, um, but at the same time, uh, we want to keep our families safe. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. Vancouver police are warning about a high-risk sex offender who will reside in a Vancouver halfway house. Police say 49-year-old Michael Wayne Carpenter poses a significant risk of harm to the safety of vulnerable little girls, youth and adults. He's currently serving a 10-year long-term supervision order. That was the result of convictions on three counts of sexual assault with a weapon, three counts of forcible confinement and three counts of uttering threats to cause death or harm. She was nearly killed while cycling the Coquihalla. Nearly a decade later, she still hasn't been able to thank the Good Samaritans who came to her rescue. How you can help find the people who saved her life in just over a minute. The leaders of some of the world's biggest technology companies on the hot seat. What happened when they were grilled by U.S. lawmakers later on the news hour? And why a couple of B.C. golfers threw down their clubs to grab a camera. Where, where, where this happened later. It's been nine years since a bike crash nearly killed a Squamish woman, and she marks, as she marks the anniversary, she's also hoping to find the Good Samaritans who stopped to help. Danielle Baker was found lying unconscious on the Coquihalla Highway. As Nadia Stewart reports, she wants to thank the strangers who saved her life. I really don't believe that I would be here today if it wasn't for them. Every year around this time, Danielle Baker reflects on the moment that changed her life forever, and the mystery that's always surrounded it. The idea of actually finding them was always such a needle in a haystack that I didn't even consider it. Taylor is trying to reconnect with the people who saved her life on the Coquihalla Highway nine years ago. She was cycling from Vancouver to Canmore and had just gotten up over the summit when she lost control of her bike. And I remember thinking in that moment, wow, this is really going to suck. <laughs> the last clear, that's the only memory I have, but it's so clear. She went flying headfirst into the pavement. And then I woke up um, surrounded by three strangers on the side of the highway. And uh, they had found, the, the couple had uh, found me unconscious in the middle of the road and, and got me out of the highway before a transport truck could run me over, which was, it, it saved my life. Taylor had a brain bleed, broken collarbone, broken ribs, and a road rash. It was a long road to recovery. But over the years, she has always wondered about the mystery man and woman who rescued her. I'm sure at some point I got a really clear view of their face, but everything is, is pretty fuzzy from them. I remember it was a man and a woman, and, uh, and I remember the officer was male. 
She has found the paramedic who responded to the call that day. If she can find the police officer who was also on scene, Taylor believes she might be able to find this couple and finally, finally thank them. This year, her annual social media post about the crash has been shared over 6,000 times. Now I'm, I'm actually hopeful that the right person might see this, that I might actually get to, to tell these people that, you know, that you know, hour of their life gave me nine more years of incredible um, existence. Nine more years she's forever grateful for. Thanks to the Good Samaritans, she's hoping she can thank one day soon. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Just ahead of this upcoming holiday weekend, ICBC is warning drivers to be cautious on the road. On average, four people are killed and more than 600 hurt over the B.C. long weekend. And overall, the Friday is typically when most crashes occur. ICBC is urging drivers to take steps to ensure they get to their destination safely. Among them, check for motorcycles. Be patient with RV drivers and do a pre-trip check before you head out. And they want you to know that counterattack road checks will be out in full force to catch any impaired drivers. A tragic end to a rescue on a busy Whistler Lake yesterday. A 20-year-old Vancouver man was swimming at Alta Lake near Rainbow Park yesterday afternoon. Witnesses say he suddenly disappeared under the water. Several people rushed to help and were able to find him and pull him to shore. He was taken to hospital, but he died late last night. His name has not been made public. According to the Life Saving Society, young men in their early 20s have the highest number of drownings. And in recent years, 67% of drownings happened in the summer months. With summer in full swing, the BC Injury and Prevention Unit is hoping to get the message out that many of these deaths are preventable. 92% of drownings among children and youth happen because they lacked supervision. And it can happen anywhere, not just a pool or beach. We know that some children have drowned in as little as one or two inches of water in the bottom of the bathtub. And of course the message to those with children is supervision, close supervision. Be in arm's reach and be able to extend that arm and assist a child particularly who may be in trouble in the water. Still ahead, movie magic helps battle the pandemic. How a BC special effects company, better known for making fake snow, is weathering the storm from COVID. And later, how the message might be starting to sink in as America tries to flatten the curve. Traffic is steady in both directions over here at the Massey Tunnel, but keep in mind overnight maintenance has traffic down to a single lane each way through the tunnel from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. For 47 years, Kermac Collision and Autoglass has provided unmatched superior customer service and satisfaction. With 18 lower mainland locations, there's a Kermac in your neighborhood. Visit Kermac.com. I'm Trish Dewison in Global One. I have a Highway 99 at the Massey Tunnel. Eve BC report tonight focuses on a North Vancouver company that turned a business disaster into a remarkable opportunity. Thomas FX found itself at the edge of a financial cliff when the TV and movie industry shut down. But thanks to some enlightened thinking, they're now working around the clock to fill orders for their newest product. Aaron MacArthur reports. If a movie script calls for snow, Got room for one more. Chances are the flakes were made in Metro Vancouver. 
Thomas FX has been providing fake snow to Hollywood for 50 years. March 13th, that all came to a sudden stop. Well, the calls started coming in in the morning. By the end of the day, all the pending orders had been cancelled. Productions stopped shooting, and the FX business was forced to close its doors. Three months later, anticipating the relaunch of the film industry, the owners realized they needed something to keep their employees safe. A Google search led them to Biotech UV. It turned out the manufacturer of the sanitizing units that use UV light combined with ozone was looking for a Canadian distributor. 48 hours later, Thomas FX was selling the machines. We were looking for ways to help in the pandemic. Since then, sales have turned from light flurries to an avalanche. At first, it was doctors and dentist offices cleaning areas between patients. But now the film industry has come calling too. Props, wardrobe, set construction, all need new procedures. So if a prop is used in a set, well, it's, it's been touched, so it's got to be sanitized to be safe for others to use. So the COVID world is a very, very different world from the one that we left behind in March. A solution born of desperation to keep a handful of workers employed might turn out to be one of the key factors keeping one of BC's largest employers on track. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. And coming up later, the reunion she was dreaming of. I get this email from someone talking about how he had put himself in danger. How a priceless talking bear made its way back to the rightful owner. Tonight, how tech giants, including Apple, Facebook and Amazon, are defending the way they do business. This program is brought to you in part by Believe BC. Together is now. A little bit busy tonight over here at Tawasson Ferry Terminal. The 7 p.m. to Swartz Bay is at half capacity. All vehicle space to Southern Gulf Islands has been sold out for today. If you're a foot passenger, you might still be able to get on. And the 8.15 to Duke Point is 95% full. Sussex Insurance are your auto plan experts for insurance renewals, changes, or other ICBC transactions all from home. Just visit sussexinsurance.com. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, high above Tawasson Ferry Terminal. Well, the high-tech industry is in the spotlight with some of the world's richest and most powerful CEOs appearing before U.S. House lawmakers today. They've been called to address concerns the tech giants are stifling competition and hurting consumers. Of your knowledge, information, and Four of the nation's most guide. powerful CEOs appeared by video before lawmakers. Each rules a different type of technology empire, but all came under fire for their far-reaching power in the marketplace. As gatekeepers of the digital economy, these platforms enjoy the power to pick winners and losers, to shake down small businesses, and enrich themselves while choking off competitors. Facebook faces scrutiny for stifling competition and for allowing the spread of misinformation. CEO Mark Zuckerberg said it's not his job to be the arbiter of truth. Frankly, I think that we've distinguished ourselves as one of the, the companies that um, defends free expression the most. Lawmakers have been investigating business practices at the tech giants for more than a year, including Google, which is under fire for how it uses the dominance of its search engine. Ohio Republican Jim Jordan accused Google and the others of political censorship. I'll just cut to the chase. Big tech's out to get conservatives. Speaking for Apple, CEO Tim Cook defended the iPhone app store, saying he encourages competition. Our goal is the best, not the most. 
and the world's richest man testified before Congress for the first time. Amazon's Jeff Bezos shared his personal story. My dad's name is Miguel. He adopted me when I was four. He said Amazon is just half the size of Walmart and a high-quality employer. Hundreds of thousands of jobs across 42 states. Amazon employees make a minimum of $15 an hour, more than double the federal minimum wage. Critics say the four tech giants, with their billions of customers, have created monopolies, behavior that could lead to new restrictions on their power in the digital marketplace. Nancy Chen, CBS News, New York. The Commons Ethics Committee met this afternoon to advance its investigation into the Trudeau government's aborted deal with the weed charity. It wants to access documents on about $300,000 in speaking fees paid to members of the Prime Minister's family by the charity. Opposition MPs on the Ethics Committee also want to hear from the PM about the decision to have we oversee a volunteer student grant program. Trudeau is set to testify tomorrow before the Commons Finance Committee. We will carry that live on the new NewsHour. Toronto and the neighboring Peel region will finally enter stage three of their reopening plan this Friday. They're among the last in Ontario to do so. The province is reporting the lowest single-day increase in months. 76 new cases of COVID-19 were reported this morning. That's the lowest number since March 22nd. The majority of new cases remain in Windsor-Essex. That region is not moving into Stage 3. My friends, we've made incredible progress. But as we all allow restaurants, bars and, and theatres to reopen, we need everyone to stay vigilant. Wear a face covering, practice physical distancing, and wash your hands. And don't, and I repeat, don't have large parties or gatherings. Well, as the United States posts more than 60,000 COVID-19 cases per day, some say they're starting to see a reason for hope. Health experts believe the numbers, while discouragingly high, may actually be hitting a plateau. Global's Reggie Cicchini reports. There are small signs of hope that America's second curve may be flattening. Cases appear to be stabilizing, including in some states where you had positivity rates as high as 30% of tests were positive. Cases in many hard-hit states may be steady but are still discouragingly high, while deaths continue to soar. These deaths today reflect cases from several weeks ago. And so the pattern, hopefully, is a stabilization of cases with an eventual decrease in deaths. Deaths have long been seen as a lagging indicator to the virus, and in recent days, the U.S. has topped 1,000 a day. Florida posting a record-breaking 216 on Wednesday, while in Texas, weeks after a spike in cases, one study shows deaths are now occurring every six minutes. And while there may be a plateau in new infections, a new document from the White House Coronavirus Task Force shows 21 states in a so-called red zone. It calls on these states to take aggressive measures to slow the spread, including limiting gatherings to 10 people, mandating masks, and closing bars and gyms. A tough task with no national strategy and a misinformation campaign flooding social media. In a pandemic, you do need at least central information But mandates often face pushback. A Republican lawmaker who frequently flouts mask policies tested positive while questioning if wearing the mask made him sick. I'm moving it to make it comfortable. And I can't help but wonder if that puts some germs in the mask. 
Representative Louis Gohmert was expected to travel with the president to Texas on Wednesday, but is now under quarantine. There are early signs that mask use is slowing the spread of the virus, but partisan divides have made it difficult to control. And there are fears that if current trends continue, the death toll across the U.S. could surpass several hundred thousand. Reggie Chikini, Global News, Washington. Well, starting this weekend, anyone working out at a popular fitness chain must be wearing a mask. Planet Fitness, which has several locations in our province, announced it is now mandatory to sport a mask when inside its fitness centers. In a video on its YouTube page, the company shows how gym goers can do so comfortably. Tips include taking more breaks, slowing down your cardio, and doing shorter intervals in order to control your breathing. Coming up, the talking teddy back with its rightful owner. Around 9.30 p.m., um, I get this email from someone. The good Samaritan who stepped up to make it happen. And in sports, rent it and they will come. How baseball is back at Nat Bailey. Kind of. Canadian Mint is honoring the late Bill Reed with a new coin. The $2 coin will feature a grizzly bear, favorite character of Reed's paintings, carvings, and jewelry. Reed's groundbreaking Indigenous art put Haida culture in the spotlight, and the commemorative coin is meant to show the strength of his work. You can find more information on how to get one of those coins through the Canadian Mint website. Beautiful. Okay, the heat is on across many parts of the country. What is going on? We'll show you this little guy's epic adventure and tell you where it happened right after Christy's forecast. And it is hot here as well, Christy. Oh, yes, it sure is. So we still have a number of warnings and special weather statements in place. I want to just quickly mention, though, we've got a change in our forecast. We have been advertising four days of sunshine and heat. Now a change for late tomorrow into Friday for southern B.C. So you're going to want to stick around for that. But, yes, heat continues. Gray is the areas under a special weather statement. Those areas will likely see temperatures in the low 30s, whereas the areas in red, we're talking about mid to upper 30s. And when we talk about heat warnings, we're not only concerned about the temperatures in the afternoon, but we're also concerned about the temperatures at night. So these areas will likely not see the temperature drop down below 18 degrees. So it doesn't give you that ability to have that reprieve from the heat at night. Now, for the south coast regions, we only have one more day of heat before temperatures start to subside. But the concern for tomorrow is that we are going to see an increase in the humidity. So not only are we going to see temperatures away from the water up to 32 degrees, but with that increase in humidity, we're talking about humidex levels up to 36. So that is cause for concern. With humidity so high, it is hard for people to regulate their temperature a little bit. So here's your forecast. These are the regular temperatures across the north. The change that I was talking about for late tomorrow is this. Chance of rain and a risk of thunderstorms in through Hope all the way through the southern interior regions. That's late tomorrow. Sunshine and heat for the south coast region, although we'll likely see increasing cloud later tomorrow. It's more so now Friday that we have a chance of rain and a risk of thunderstorms 
across the South Coast region, and that includes areas in the interior as well. Overall, though, we're going to be back to sunshine late Friday into Saturday and Sunday. It's not until Monday that we have a better chance of seeing a change in our weather pattern. But certainly that risk late uh, or into our Friday and uh, with that risk of thunderstorms. There's your central windows, weather window, a stunning shot, sunset shot, looking at seems heat all across the Vancouver region. Nice work. Beautiful. All right, that summer heat is getting to a lot of people, and as it turns out, it's getting to animals too. The raccoon is going for a swim in our pool. Of course it is. Homeowners (laughs) in Toronto caught off guard when they noticed this little bandit venturing into their pool for a dip. The raccoon did a few leisurely laps before getting out and sunning itself on the deck. The couple joked the animal just needed some sunnies and a cocktail to complete its adventure. It apparently took a couple more dips before departing. Raccoons just make themselves at home, don't they? They do. Anything that's yours is theirs. Exactly. They've established (laughs) that. Uh, okay, uh, Squires all ours tonight for sports uh, and a big night for the Canucks, obviously. Well, we haven't seen a Canucks game since March, but we will see one tonight in about 45 minutes against Winnipeg Jets. It'll be exhibition, though, and it's a chance for Michael Furlan to show everyone he is healthy. Uh, he's a handful when he's on top of his game and he's excited to play. If he stays healthy, if Furlan could be a key factor in the series against Minnesota. Also tonight, she thought she lost it forever, but tonight the missing teddy bear is the talk of the town. Oh, baby's being a little brat. Global viewer Krista Bruner captured this scene on the fifth hole of the McKenzie Golf Course in McKenzie. She and her friends were just about to tee off when these two bears, which appeared to be a mother and cub, emerged from the trees and began to wrestle in the middle of the fairway. They ended up frolicking all the way across the fairway and onto the next hole. Maybe they were arguing over rules. (laughs) They might be. Quite possibly. We're supposed to be talking about playoffs for hockey, but tonight we're talking about layoffs. That's right. Actually, uh, the Canucks today laid off 49 employees. Now, some of them may be brought back. Hopefully, all of them will be brought back if things settle down and fans get to come back next season. But as of right now, the Canucks had 49 layoffs today. That's not good. Uh, For the first time since March, the Canucks are playing a hockey game tonight. Uh, Their only exhibition game before the Stanley Cup tournament against... uh, Minnesota begins on Sunday. Tonight they're playing Winnipeg. And the lineup will be pretty much the one you will see that'll start that best of five series with the Wild. And it'll include a now healthy, we would think, and hopefully he stays healthy, Michael Furlan, who has battled concussion issues as well as problems with his eyes and problems with his balance. Jim Benning signed Michael Furlan mainly because of this. Memories of what Furlan did the last time the Canucks were in the playoffs. He harassed Vancouver. He became the guy the Canucks hated the most. And it's not just Benning who remembers Furlan from 2015. No, I remember playing him the last playoff I was in. He was in Calgary. I don't know if that was one of his first years, but uh, he was not a fun player to be out there against. Uh, so uh, I think, uh, you know, he could be very effective with his, uh, you know, skating and his physical presence. Michael Furlan looks really good to me. Uh, I don't think it's any secret the way Michael Furlan plays. Uh, he's a handful when he's on top of his game and he's excited to play. 
And right now he feels he seems as excited to play as I've seen him. The Blue Jays are excited about this kid, Nate Pearson, making his first major league start. He could become an ace. Yes, don't step on the lines. That's bad luck. Always jump over them. First guy he faces, he strikes out. Five innings, five strikeouts. This was a man on third. That's a 99-mile-an-hour ball at the knees. They would go to extra innings, and in extra innings, though, Astrobal Carrera triples in three runs as the defending champs beat Toronto four to nothing. Well, Nat Bailey Stadium will not be used by the Vancouver Canadians this year because minor league baseball was completely cancelled because of the pandemic. However, the stadium is being offered up as kind of a field of dreams for anyone who'd like to rent it out. Our stadium right now is professional baseball ready. The only problem is we don't have a professional baseball team right now. So the beauty of it is you now, as a regular fan, like me, like you, get the opportunity to rent this stadium out. It's a best-kept secret because you think of this as a baseball stadium, and right now, although it is, it's open for business. And it's not open for business just for future Toronto Blue Jays. It's open for business for anybody that just wants to come and utilize this gem right in the middle of Vancouver. I think it's pretty cool. It's the ultimate playground for you, your family, your teammates, or even work colleagues. Nat Bailey Stadium in all of its beautiful glory is ready for action, and not just baseball. Round up a group of 30 to 50 people, throw down $1,500, and the stadium is yours for two to three hours. You know, we're like any other business in town. We want to do things. We have numbers we need to hit. We need to generate some revenue. And But at the same time, to be able to give people a great outing at the ballpark. It's basically a blank canvas. The thing that I like about it right now is if you want to rent it out for your family, we have enough space that we can socially be responsible. Uh, if you want to come take your vows, if you want to have a baseball game, maybe you've got a, uh, you know, a team that didn't get the opportunity opportunity to play their season and you want to have one big game in one beautiful stadium this is the spot with no minor league baseball being played this season nat bailey has sat empty and void of any celebrations until now not even a week into stadium rentals and bookings are starting to fill up the calendar later in the week the seas will take it a step further by letting you dig into the batter's box take your cuts and swing away at home plate for some batting practice. This is the one time socially where you can come to Nat Bailey Stadium and the ballpark is yours. You get the whole stadium to yourself. I mean, for me, that's uh, maybe, maybe I'm too much of a sports fan, but I think that's pretty cool. To be able to close the gates behind you and say, this is my ballpark for the next couple of hours, that's worth its weight in gold. Okay, 18 people, less than 100 bucks each, and you can I'm have in. a baseball game. I'm in. I don't really play baseball. Let's, let's do it. I mean, I was there on the weekend for a 50th birthday celebration, and it was a riot. Cool. Still got the injuries. Still got the injuries. (laughs) All right. Thanks, Squire. Let's check in with Andrew for a look ahead to Global News at 11. And thanks, Sophie. Vancouver Council has voted on a motion to allow drinking in public places. The original motion to allow people to legally enjoy a beer or a glass of wine in a plaza or other public space was defeated in the vote last month, but it passed unanimously tonight. It comes days after the Park Board approved drinking in parks and on beaches, but that won't come into effect until next summer. Details on that story and more when you join us tonight at 11 o'clock. Sophie, Chris. All right. Thank you, Anne. And when we come back, a happy ending to the story of the missing talking teddy bear. That's next. Well, there is thankfully a happy ending to the story of that stolen stuffed bear in Vancouver, a story that made news around the world. 
The talking bear was priceless to Mara Soriano because it contained a precious recording of her mother's voice. Sarah McDonald now on how the bear's rightful owner feels about the reunion she'd nearly given up hope on. I do this so much. like <laughs> The stolen bear, whose sentimental story has been heard around the world, is back where it belongs. I'm speechless. I'm just absolutely grateful and floored by the reaction. The end of a whirlwind week for Mara Soriano, whose last link to her late mother was swiped in Vancouver last week. The bear is my mom. <laughs> Basically, she gave me the bear as a reminder that I'll never be alone. The bear has a special recording just for me that says, Mara, I love you so very much. I'm so proud of you, and I'll always be with you. That's the voice of Soriano's mother, Marilyn, who died of cancer last year. The recording seemingly vanished along with this custom-made bear until Tuesday. It turns out the bear was here all along at Strathcona Park, spotted by somebody who saw the desperate appeals for its safe return, recognized the suspect on surveillance footage, and reached out, ultimately cashing in on a mutually beneficial transaction. He pulled up on his bike and pulled out the bear, and I couldn't believe it. I didn't even let him take the bear fully out of the bag. I just snatched it from his arms as soon as I saw her little face. The face that quickly became famous thanks to homegrown celebrity Ryan Reynolds, who offered $5,000 cash, no questions asked, for the bear's safe return. It worked. The money already transferred, and the bear? She's perfect. They had, it looks like she was just kept in that bag the whole time. Her voice box is still there. She's unfortunately missing her signature glasses. But those can be replaced, along with the electronics and other valuables still missing. For a daughter desperately missing the voice of her mother. I love you, and beyond. This is Priceless. Sarah McDonald, Global News. I'm so glad she got that back. So many people were looking out for it. Mm -hmm. You knew it was going to happen. Glad it did. Okay, uh, final word on weather before we go, Christy? South Coast regions, one more big day of heat for the interior, three more days of heat. The change that we talked about earlier, though, will be Friday. We'll likely see a chance of rain and a risk of thunderstorms. Hmm. Thank you. All right, then. <laughs> for those of us who have Friday off, you're not talking about me. <laughs> there are a few out there. Thanks for watching, folks.